Have you been looking for a Taekwondo podcast with qualified people who know what they're talking about, who help you keep up with everything going on in the Taekwondo world? Well, you found it. This is the Taekwondo Podcast. Taekwondo news, competitions and other events, training and sports science, keeping the fans, coaches, and high-performance athletes up to date with the latest news and trends on Olympic Taekwondo. Let's do this. This is the Taekwondo Podcast. And now your hosts, Coach Caesar Valentim and Peter Nessler. Hello and welcome to the Taekwondo Podcast. We're a podcast based out of Austria, in English language, for everyone out there who likes Taekwondo. In this episode, we talk about the new competition rules, as these were tested at the Spanish Open. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Coach Cesar Valentin, and with me is Coach Peter Nessler. Hi, Peter. How are you? Um, hi, Cesar. I'm quite fine. Nice to be back again. What is today's topics? Well, since we had the competition in Spain and also in Belgium with the new rules, at least some of application of the new rules, it was interesting for us to discuss them because the first episodes were about what we read. And now it's after we've seen it, we've noticed that the writing was not exactly the most accurate one. It has been a while since we sat together, but we had some interesting guests in the previous episodes and we had a couple of busy months with many events. What do you think about the new season so far? Well, uh, at the moment, I'm happy that we don't have uh, too many cancelled events so that the calendar stays like it is. It's quite tight, but uh, that's good for all teams to prepare for the big events. Um, we will still need a little more um, practicing, practicing for, the, for the referees and the coaches and the athletes as well for the new roles. But I think it was a good step to sharpen those roles and let's see how it develops in the next months. I'm pretty sure that the new rules will be changed again before they are uh, introduced uh, after June, after the Continental Championships. Uh, we're going to go uh, over the new rules a little bit later in the in the second part. The, the European Championships registration is closing in the next few days and we pretty much have seen the players who are competing in Manchester and the other Continental Championships. Not too many newcomers yet. How, uh, what do you think? Um, um, I think that many of the teams don't want to have any experiments so they take the the teams they they always had they <laughs> even some some athletes are back and uh, so you're fully right not many uh, newcomers at the moment but i think it's just a matter of uh, all the situation with covid and and uh, difficult situation politically and uh, we will see newcomers uh, starting next year in my opinion Yeah, COVID was a situation. Most of the tournaments had uh, prevention uh, concepts. Some had none, like in Belgium, because the country regulations went out. And we know, even though it's not too much out there, we've known that a lot of teams had uh, positive cases, especially after Albania, after Sofia, after Belgium. A lot of people, including officials, WTO officials and coaches and teams from all around the world, got positive with these new variants. But that didn't stop the events from happening. Spain was a very big event as well, and we had a lot of uh, good athletes competing. And of course, the big elephant in the room, we don't see Russia, we don't see too many Ukrainian play players, except the, the, managed, the ones who managed to, to get away from the, from the country. They are not competing. That also makes the Grand Prix 
registration is quite interesting. We've seen the pre-registration list with 72 players to be able to register for the competitions. And when we look at them, of course, since there's only two per country and there's a few countries that have three and four players in the ranking, the, that's the obvious selection of the two best. But now we see also that the Russian players are suspended, not allowed to compete. That gives a lot of chances for the Rome Grand Prix to have a lot of people who are placed 40 or 42 in the list, not just the 32. Um, any thoughts on that? Um, it's 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 a real pity that uh, Russian players uh, who are in, in many divisions leading those divisions are out of the race in a moment. But uh, well, that's sad, but it's the reality. It gives the chance, as you said, to lower seated uh, athletes as well. So the full field just pushes upwards. Uh, um, this will sort out as soon as the situation gets normal again. We've seen, uh, the, talking again about the, the European Championships, especially because we are here in Europe. Of course, the same will happen for the other continental championships. We see that the players didn't get too many competitions before. It was a very rush couple of months to qualify. Very hard events. The President's Cup was incredible, incredibly hard with many Russians and uh, Turkish players taking the top positions. Some surprises there. Um, yes, the 49s and had some interesting, uh, um, changes in the podium positions. We had Sofia open very well organized as usual and there are a lot of events coming back to Bulgaria this year like the multi-games later on, the Worlds and Juniors and Cadets. Um, we have a lot of players coming to Europe to test events but we also had some smaller events around the Pan American region, especially Puerto Rico Open where uh, just four or five countries competing, a lot of medals for the same countries. We have next week the the Brazilian uh, Open, the Rio Open, together with the P Paratekwondo uh, Pan American Open. It's going to be quite a, a stretch. <laughs> and uh, registrations for the Europeans finish on the 18th of this month. So the last qualification for the countries that require qualifications is pretty much uh, over. Yeah, that's true. It was a very tight calendar. And if you missed one chance in uh, some of the first events in this year, it's uh, basically quite over. So not easy. Yeah, the players only being allowed to make 40 points and getting 20 points for a gold medal in these events makes it also very interesting that now, after the first two months of events, the events will come way easier. The G tournaments, um, Sweden later on will have Austria, Luxembourg, Croatia will be much uh, uh, accessible events maybe for the newcomers to try. A little bit too late for the European Championship qualification if the national teams require so, but uh, maybe some of the Easier events will be a good preparation for the teams. A lot of camps happening. Uh, we just had a few camps in Spain. Uh, also in Greece is having some camps. Uh, Manchester is having big events. And I think the teams are getting really, really ready for a very short Olympic cycle because three years is just around the corner. Yeah, that's true. I mean, those who missed the qualification for the Europeans uh, will be preparing for Worlds and, Euro and uh, also for the Olympic cycle. Um, yeah. I think performance analysis, uh, it's more important than, uh, as I mentioned a few episodes ago, and then um, we're going to have uh, a performance analysis uh, coming into an episode later on so we can discuss better systems, better qualification systems, especially for the national teams to select our players. Do you think the base, for example, we are in Austria? Uh, we see a lot of uh, teams still very small because of COVID. We see a lot of players like Germany and other European countries that have uh, the players having a lack of performance due to 
past COVID infections, do you think is going to be also that predominant in the European Championships? Well, some of the countries uh, have strict rules in, uh, regarding COVID. They follow those rules also very strictly. So um, they will have smaller teams or even no teams at all, um, which is a pity because we already lost Russia and some, most of Ukraine teams and now also losing some other members uh, due to COVID. That's really sad. But I think uh, starting uh, after this uh, autumn, situation will normalize at least at the COVID front um, and we will have uh, quite bigger teams and also I think uh, newcomers because when you look at the age of many of the players now in the top ranking they're quite old in the moment quite getting old um, so they will soon drop out I don't think that uh, specific players I don't want to call any names will Uh, last till Paris. Well, uh, we talk about COVID and about many people getting infected in these events, yet nobody is really talking about it. Is it something that is cultural or people just don't take COVID-19 seriously anymore? Well, as I said, there is uh, some countries who strictly follow the rules. That, that is also the countries who cancel events. Um, and there is other countries where the rules are not that strict and they also don't follow the rules they have. They, they For example, they say Uh, our tournament is in a bubble and then there is some normal tourists in the same hotel, which is not okay. Um, it's a cultural thing, yes, but uh, I think all the teams and all the organizers are happy that the, the events are happening, that they could, could do them because there was times that they even couldn't do those events. So I think uh, basically everyone is happy. This podcast is supported by Hawken Dynamics. Hawken Dynamics believes that technology is most useful when it stays out of your way. That's why Hawken developed the world's first wireless force plate system with extreme usability. It is the quickest, easiest to use and most robust solution on the market. It is trusted by all sports organizations large and small, as well as tactical, military and rehabilitation environments around the globe. It's force testing in the palm of your hand. Here at Vintekondo Center, we use Hawking Dynamics to test and monitor our team. The cloud-based platform allows us to access data and publish a variety of reports on the go. My favorites are trend reports and, of course, weight reports, where I can monitor different metrics to view progress and identify performance indicators, or to compare weights to a baseline data range. I use it on a daily basis to identify readiness. A simple jumping test takes me less than a minute to assess the entire team. Having my own Hawking Dynamics force plates allows me to test reactive strands, maximum strands, rate of force development, asymmetry and so much more. The real-time feedback on the app is useful not only for testing, but as a training tool, making it more accurate and at the same time more engaging for the athletes. If you are interested in learning more about Hawking Dynamics or getting your own, The team can be reached at info at hawkindynamics.com or on Instagram or Twitter at hawkindynamics. This podcast is sponsored by First Beat Sports. First Beat Sports combines the most comprehensive analytics in team sports with a customizable interface to support real-time monitoring, recovery monitoring, performance management, and much more. The result? Data-driven decisions that support your athletes and team training, recovery, and performance goals. First Beat Sports is trusted by professionals. Over 23,000 athletes representing over 1,000 teams around the world rely on the solution to train and plan with confidence on a team and individual level using HRV-based insights. 
For more information, please visit our website, firstbeat.com slash sports. When talking about Taekwondo training, we need to talk about Athlete Analyzer. Athlete Analyzer is the first Taekwondo-specific athlete monitoring system. It is used by both national teams, regional squads and small clubs to maximize performance, prevent injuries and communicate with both athletes and trainer teams. Athlete Analyzer is a cloud-based system with a friendly smartphone app. You can plan and monitor every aspect of your training, even when you are not in the gym with your team. The easy-to-use video analysis tool is not like anything you've seen. It helps you understand your athletes and even their opponents, making this app the only tool you need to manage your team. Before I used Athlete Analyzer, I spent an absurd amount of time in front of the computer, creating spreadsheets and using half a dozen software solutions. I have athletes in my center, but also abroad, and with Athlete Analyzer, it's much easier to communicate, plan, and monitor their development. Now that I have extra time, I can focus on what matters, training my athletes, and it still leaves me some room to do other stuff, like this Taekwondo podcast. Athlete Analyzer offers you a two weeks free trial. Visit them at athleteanalyzer.com to sign up, or click on the link in the episode's description. To get the most of your free trial, I recommend you first book a free personal demonstration with Nicholas. It will give you a great insight of what Athlete Analyzer has to offer you and your team. It is well worth the time. You're listening to the Taekwondo Podcast. Now back to your hosts, Coach Caesar Valentim and Peter Nessler. Welcome back. We've been talking about the new rules and how they've been implemented in a couple of events now. In Belgium, it was only some of the rules and only for cadets and juniors. At the Spanish Open, it was for everyone. What is your opinion on that? Well, basically, it's important for the teams to uh, know when they would fight with what rules. So, uh, if, you, if you bring out a new set of rules or if you amend some rules... You have to also come out with a date where you say, okay, starting from, I don't know, 1st of May, everybody has to do new rules. That's it. No adaptions, no, no interpretations. Uh, just tell them what is the new rules and do them. That's it. That's my opinion. Just be clear. Well, we had... Um When the rules came out, some coaches, and we've even mentioned in another uh, podcast from a, from a friend when I was invited, that the players uh, will adapt to the new rules and the coaches will definitely will play with the new rules and make sure that you find the loopholes. For example, one of the examples we mentioned was if you have more than five points superiority on the first round and you win the first round, you just have to tie the second round and then on the third round you just fall off, uh, step out and make sure that you get disqualified and don't give points to the other more than the four come and then in the end the tiebreaker would be the points summary and and of course with the with the having more points in the first round would give you of course the the victory of the entire match the wt came out for in spain that if you get the four penalties in the third round you lose the entire match which is not correct they should invent maybe a pink card a green card something like that that allows you that if you are disqualified in the third round for anti-sportsman or for avoiding the match, then you would lose the match. Because four conjuns per round, even though the logic behind it that you get maximum of three conjuns per round, total of nine conjuns, and it's the same as before, it's not exactly the same. It gives you four conjuns very easy to make, especially with the clinch conjuns, having the possibility of getting the referee to give you four conjuns in a row. You fall out, you slip, and you get two conjuns for clinching too long. 
and you lose the match and that's not the same as avoiding the match so the rules need to be polished they need to be a little rewritten a little bit adapt uh, adapted and also the those are the rules as they are and the second thing is the interpretation of the rules i can see i can tell you that in spain there was two different Taekwondo. There was a Taekwondo for the females that were active. They were kicking and they were, yes, a little bit of leg cancelling that was, according to the rules, no longer allowed, but they were still doing, the referees still allowing. Um, some clin- uh, clinch kicking in the back of the head that were still okay. But in the male divisions, there was too much pushing and grabbing. It was awful to watch. It looked a little bit like other uh, combat sports, more of uh, wrestling and grabbing and takedown sports and actually a taekwondo match. Too little action, a lot of grabbing and ugly matches. And that's something that the rules introduced that were... Um, the players were afraid of falling out, were play, afraid of stepping outside, so they were playing a little bit dirty. And to to be fair, I don't think that's the, the intended uh, uh, in, the intention behind the rules. When they tried to make the combat sports a little more active, they managed to do it with the best of three. The first rounds are much more exciting than before, and it's also much faster uh, rounds and much faster tournaments. If the two twelve point gap is reached in the, in the first two rounds, because it allows the event organizers to plan better allows the boring men very um difference level matches to be uh, over very fast but and not waiting for the point gap only in the end of the second round only in the end of the four minutes uh, fight so yes it is an advantage but the rest the interpretation the kicking on the clinch it's uh, uh something that was still very ugly to see when it comes to the rules the other thing that it comes it's the interpretation of the referees most of the referees in the same court had different interpretations of the conjuns and the, the very good referees and there were some very very good referees at the spanish open they understood that the the one staying in the clinch for pushing for grabbing because they wanted to get the conjuring and also get the conjuring for the other ones were playing a little dirty and some players that wanted to leave the clinch and were forced to stay in the clinch should not be penalized some referees were very smart some referees noticed that they gave the conjuring only for the one that was really trying to stay in the clinch not for the to the other one but most of them didn't do that and a lot of power for the referees. The other part, as you can imagine, was the headshots. Uh, since uh, the referees can, can now, um, they don't have to to count uh, to 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 ask for the card. They have to count, sorry, to ask for the card. But the the coaches can ask for any contact on the helmet. And I think that's something that we are assuming that is wrong. It's the TP, the, the PSS system. We're, we're assuming on our rules that the PS, PSS, the protective scoring system, has faults. What do you think about that? Well, that's a big problem from the beginning on. The, the, the PSS on the head is working much worse than the one on the body. Uh, even though the one on the body is not perfect, uh, but it gives us quite a reliable... Um, uh, situation of what the match is not so the head one which uh, there is ghost kicks there is um, uh, very very light contact with releasing points so it would be better to improve the PSS for the head than to open the rules uh, for, for IVR because it takes more time it gives more uncertainty than before uh, we know that the video re- replay systems, the systems are good, but not the video cameras. So I would improve the PCS head system. That's it. The the rules say that you are now allowed as a coach, at least the interpretation that was uh, enforced in Spain says that you can ask for a video replay if the helmet did not score. The question is, that's assuming that the 
that the electronic system has a problem. Yet, um, some coaches were asking for the video replay for face kicks um, because that's not scored by the PSS. And that's not what's on the rules. The rules say that it, you can only ask for the video replay to, uh, if, if you actually hit on the helmet and the helmet didn't score yet the system should say you are allowed to ask or the rules should say you're allowed to ask for the uh, the video jury if you hit on a face and the helmet didn't score not on the helmet and the helmet didn't score because then it's assuming that the system fails uh, and makes the, the matches of course much much more fair as a coach i like to use the the card if the helmet didn't score but Am I allowed to use the the card if it was on the face? Because the rule says only if the helmet didn't score, and so it's a little bit of a gray area. I should be allowed to ask for the video replay for whole head kicks, not only if the helmet didn't score. And some referees allowed you, and the video replay juries allowed you to ask for a face kicks, and others didn't because the rules actually say that it's only if the helmet didn't score, and if you hit the face, not the helmet, then it should not be a point. Yeah, that's true. Uh, make it easier. Yeah to avoid those things well we have until june and then in july we have the worlds uh, for juniors and cadets and having the rules before that and applying the, the rules and enforcing the rules practicing the rules it's going to be quite interesting there is a referee seminar scheduled in baku now in may two weeks uh, one week before the european championships um let's see what it comes out of this seminar uh I don't, do you know anyone who is going um, well, to be honest, I, I think there will be quite many people going there, but uh, I will I will focus as a coach more on the on the on the on the rules. So you're right; there will be changes till worlds, and I hope they will cl be clearly communicated so that everyone knows. And that's a little bit of a job of the referee directors on each country. Um, as you know, I have my international referee license for Kirugi, but I'm not considering going to Baku. It's, um, it's too expensive. It's a little bit out of my budget. And since I'm an active coach, not an active referee, um, it makes no, <laughs> this budget not on my plans. Hopefully I can organize that and the referee director from Austria goes there and then gives me the feedback. If not from Austria, from other countries, there's a lot of international referees that will go there. I hope someone can uh, share us the, some of the interpretations from the referee director. I'm pretty sure that Emily Morris was going to make a very interesting seminar. She's a very good educator, a very good Taekwondo professional. And I really wish I was there to watch it. But again, costs are a little prohibitive. One week in Baku, if 10 days before the European Championships, it's as a coach, it's a little bit hard to decide to should I go or should I stay? And, um, and the question is, if you go there, are, is anyone that is going there and shares the knowledge with us? Probably we should have a, a referee invited in our podcast uh, after the seminar in Baku. That's a good idea. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So thank you, Peter. It was a pleasure being here with you again and with everyone who is listening. This was the Taekwondo Podcast. If you haven't already, listen to our other episodes that are available wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are releasing new episodes every Tuesday. Stay tuned. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a positive review and share it with your friends. See you next time. You've been listening to the Taekwondo Podcast, keeping the fans, coaches, and high-performance athletes up to date with the latest news and trends on Olympic Taekwondo. Your host, Coach Cesar Valentim, has almost 20 years of experience with high-performance Taekwondo and has worked all around the world as a Taekwondo trainer. Peter Nessler has been teaching Taekwondo for more than 20 years, and he's currently one of the top referees in Europe. 
We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram at Taekwondo Podcast, on Facebook at Taekwondo Cast, and the website, taekwondopodcast.com. See you next time. <laughs>